Welcome to Alumni Conversations. My name is Daniel Ostendorf, and I am an Alumni Relations Officer here at Laterna University, which all that means is I get the joy of working with our over 25,000 alumni around the world. And I tell you what, our alumni have incredible stories. And so one of my greatest joys is sitting down with them over a cup of coffee or a meal, getting to hear their story about their time at Laterno, but also what God's allowed them to do uh, ever since they left Laterno as well. And so I, I'm glad you joined us today. This is going to be another great conversation with some of our alumni to, to hear their story. And also in this time of pandemic, hear maybe about some opportunities they've had in their companies have had as a result of that. But before we do that, I want to share a couple of highlights with you uh, for some uh, alumni Chris, or we knew him as Isaac when he was a student here, but Chris Luanga, the 1992 graduate, now works as a senior director of partnerships at Microsoft, particularly with a focus on Africa. Before that, he worked with Oracle and he worked with the African Development Bank following his time here at Laterno. Well, one of the cool things is just yesterday, Wednesday, Chris was part of a judgment, judging panel for what's known as MEST or MEST uh, Africa. It is a African sponsored sort of challenge for entrepreneurial tech startups. And so he was one of the judges and the winning company, the winning sort of proposal that's coming out of countries like Rwanda and Kenya and Cote d'Ivoire and Ethiopia, the winning proposal is going to get a $50,000 investment and support from an incubator there in their region. So super excited for what Chris is doing, for the opportunities God's given him to be invested in and to support businesses there in Africa. Well, our next one up is Chris Hodges. Chris, uh, sorry, Samuel Hodges. Man, sorry about that. Samuel Hodges is a 2016-2019 graduate. Samuel did civil engineering here as both an undergraduate and a master's level student. Well, he just started his PhD work at the University of Arkansas, and out of 194 applicants, Samuel was chosen for the American Water Works Association uh, Scholarship and Award to support his research. Now, the American Works is the largest public traded utility in the country for water and waste management. Um, and so this is a tremendous honor and a tremendous scholarship for him. So Samuel, congratulations. We're super excited for you there. Well, one of our older alumni, uh, James Lewis, a 1958 graduate, retired from the Daco Corporation a while back. But this year, he was awarded the Edgar Hattin Memorial Award of Merit from Daco. Now, during his time there for over 30 years, James was a part of six different patents uh, and patent teams, one of those being the Top Gear Belt. Now, this is the standard belt used on snowmobiles around the world. So next time you're riding a snowmobile, know that a Laterno graduate had a part in designing it. Uh, during his time there, he got to work with places like Polaris and Bombardier and Arctic Cat uh, and do some pretty incredible work. So we're super excited for James and his faithfulness there and the way his work has continued to impact the world. Well, I've got one for you that's hot off the presses. This was just in the Dallas Morning News yesterday. So if you're in the Dallas area and you picked up the Dallas newspaper, you would have heard this story. Uh, but Francis Dieter is a 1949 graduate from Laterna University. And yesterday he celebrated his 99th birthday. So his community came out and did a, a train ride, a train, um, not train, a car caravan uh, to celebrate him. And so we want to join them in celebrating Francis's 99th birthday. Well, before his time at Laterno, he served in World War II in the Pacific Theater, married his bride of 63 years, Carla, and then finished up here at Laterno in 1949. Well, after that, he returned to the Dallas area, which was home, and got a job with Geophysical Services. Now, Geophysical Services became Texas Instruments. And Francis was employee number 389 among the original employees in Texas Instruments. Well, 10 years ago, he said goodbye to his wife as she passed away. And so we lift him up. We think of him today, both her not being here to celebrate with him, but also the gift of a 99th year. So we wish Francis all the best as he kicks off what is an incredible 
achievement in 99 years. And we can't wait to see what God has in store for him this year. So just a few glimpses into our alumni, where they are and what they're doing. And we're super excited for them. Well, now I get to introduce you to two alumni and their stories. I am so excited that both Sarah Jo and Jonathan have agreed to join me today and share some of their story with you. Um, so I'm excited to bring them into the conversation um, and, and hear really from them ways in which they had opportunities to serve customers and clients in their community uniquely uh, in the wake of the COVID-19 pandemic. So let me go ahead and bring in Sarah Jo. Sarah Jo, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hi. So glad Hi. you're here. Hey, well, Sarah Jo graduated from Letourneau in 2004 with a Bachelor of Science in Psychology. She's joining us from her family's 100-year-old farmhouse just south of Dallas. Everbloom Fields, the flower-growing farm that they started and now run, uh, is located in Lancaster, Texas, 15 miles outside of Dallas. Well, Sarah Jo and her husband, Matthew, who is also a Letourneau graduate, are raising two incredible kids who may or may not join us on this call. So if they do, we'll get to wave hi to them. Well, many of Sarah Jo's fondest memories at Laterno are with the girls on Gilbert Hall, who adopted her and brought her in as one of their own. So she remembers that time fondly. She also remembers a time where her and friends pulled a prank on Dr. Vicki Schaefer. So we're looking forward to hearing maybe a little bit more about that story later. Well, after a stint working at Dallas Theological Seminary and as a data analyst, uh, Sarah Jo and Matthew started Everbloom Fields. And so that's what we'll be hearing about from her today and really the opportunity that that's afforded her in this COVID-19 pandemic era to love on her community. So we're excited for that. Sarah, so glad you're here with us. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Quick, oh, I was just gonna say my internet is also 100 years old. So if there's a little bit of a delay, I apologize for that. Not a problem, we'll work through it. Can't believe you're living in a 100 year old house. As a historian, I'm totally jealous. Um, so that's all right, we'll work through the tech problems, um, but thanks for sticking with us here. Well, our second guest today is Jonathan Palmer. Jonathan Palmer is a 2007 graduate, mechanical engineering graduate, who married an electrical engineering graduate. His wife, Jennifer, graduated the year before him in 2006. Jonathan's joining us from Grass Valley, California, about 60 miles northeast of Sacramento and right on the edge of the Tahoe National Forest, a beautiful part of the country, uh, especially part of the West Coast. Well, as a senior, Jonathan was part of the Leg Senior Design Team, where he worked with Dr. Gonzalez and Dr. Ayers, and we'll get to hear more about that in a little bit. Today, Jonathan serves as the CEO of Autometrics, an automated precision cu uh, cutting company his family started over 30 years ago. Their innovation serves countless industries around the world. Having grown up working at Autometrics, Jonathan left the company for a short while to come to Letourneau. Then he worked with Christian Encounter Ministries for six years before returning, and so we're going to hear about that journey today as well. Well, Autometrics uh, creates and sells and manufactures um, automated digital cutting tables, mobile tools, and design software that are used for building carbon fiber bicycles, hang gliders, canvas houses for the homeless, clothes and costumes, as well as uh, used by organizations addressing pollution in reefs around the world. So super excited to hear how that technology is being used and serving our world. You can find out more about the incredible work at Autometrics at autometrics.com. Today, Jonathan serves on the board of directors for the Industrial Fabrics Association International which works with over 1,800 companies around the world, making it the largest association in the industry. Jonathan, we're so glad you're here with us. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for the invitation, appreciate it. You bet. Well, guys, appreciate your time. Um, here's what we'll do. We'll talk through a little bit of your time at Letourneau, talk through that kind of transition from Letourneau into your industry, and then really wanna wrap up our time hearing about some unique opportunities you've had to use the, the businesses you've started, the businesses you're working with to serve your community and serve the world. Uh, so that'll wrap up our time.
So let's start with your time at Letourneau. It's been a while. Let's see, Sarah, for you, it's been, what, 16 years, just over 15? Jonathan, you're coming up on your 15-year anniversary. So as you look back on your time at Letourneau, what are some things you remember? And in particular, Sarah Jo, we need to hear about that prank, because Dr. Schaefer's still here. Um, so let's start with you, Sarah Jo. What's a memory you have? And can you tell us anything more about that prank on Dr. Schaefer? <laughs> at Letourneau, um, along with all of the wonderful academics, I was also sort of a sponge for the student life aspect as well. And that included pranks. Um, quite a lot when I was going there. And as my advisor, Dr. Schaefer was a really fun person to pull pranks on. So um, she did not like the blinds in her office to be open because it cast a glare on her computer. So we would get into the building one day and we took her blinds down of the building and fastened them to the outside of the building and opened them. So that in the morning when she went in, she was like, oh, the cleaning staff left my blind. She went to turn them closed and they weren't there. They were on the outside. And so it was one of my most memorable pranks because she was just like, no. But I mean, she played it up real well. But um, it, was, it was a pretty prank. And uh, I'll always remember, just appreciate it. As long as it was a, it was a good prank, a terrible one, she, she did it pretty well. So that's one of my favorite memories from Latino. That's awesome. Not only did you guys like open them up and you didn't just tie them on the wall. I mean, you removed those things and took them outside. That's amazing. Well, she still has her sense of humor and she's still pretty easygoing. Um, so we're so glad she's still here. So that's awesome. Well, hey, Jonathan, yeah. what about you? What's a memory for you? Is it connected to legs? Is it connected to something else? Um, that you remember from your time at Letourneau? Yeah, um, I have still a lot of memories from Letourneau, obviously. I'm not that old yet. I spent countless hours in the machine shop, the, uh, or I guess there was a different name for it, the mechanical lab or whatever it was. Um, I was a lab assistant while I was at Letourneau and got to know Mr. Bainey at the time, Richard Bainey. Yep. very well. Um, worked with many Baja team in my earlier years of college and then moved on to legs. But I spent absolutely, like truly countless hours in the machine shop. Mm -hmm. And I think that's probably where I have um, most of my memories from Letourneau. Um, and then balancing my time between friends in the machine shop. And then um, I was one of the lucky few males at Letourneau who got to meet a female at Letourneau who were shorter in number. Um, and so obviously balancing that time between the woman that became my wife and tons of time working on senior design projects in the machine shop and everything like that. Lots of good memories there. Probably most of the pranks that I remember that I will not even say I was necessarily a part of really shouldn't be shared on an alumni <laughs> cast. So I will just say that, yes, students at Letourneau knew how to have fun. Probably the the most memorable thing I actually have from a prank and there, I don't know who's watching this, but it's actually, um, it was Dr. Ayers walked into class one morning, looked at the rest of the, looked at his class and his only remark was, all right, who's the creative welder. And I'll just leave Like a few people know what that's a reference to, but, um, it was just the acknowledgement that something had happened and Dr. Ayers left it at that. So we had a lot of fun there. 
I have a lot of good memories there. I have a lot of really good friends from Laterno that I'm still in touch with. One of the benefits of traveling some for work is mm-hmm. when I am out there, wherever, whatever city, um, I try to connect with those friends still when I have oh. the opportunity. That's fantastic. Well, I know a couple of your um, classmates, Dr. David Dittenberg uh, is a good mm-hmm. friend of mine. And I know <laughs> Dr. Ayers as well as a friend. So okay. I might have to ask them both about the welding story. So we'll see what we can find out. They'll know about it. Um, uh, Richard Balmer uh, okay. was also my yep. suite mate for okay. a couple of years. Wow. So, okay. Yeah. He's, he's here on campus. So I might have to go knock yeah. on the door. That's awesome. You know, I was flipping through yearbooks, kind of getting ready for today. And Sarah saw a picture of you with the, the yearbook staff. And then Jonathan saw a picture of you in the machine shop teaching underclassmen how to use mm-hmm. um, the lathe or something like that. So just thankful for both of you and what you gave while you were here. Well, let's talk about this transition. You, you graduate and you both are in places today that you weren't right after graduation. So we know there's a story there. So what happened after graduation? You know, Jonathan, you graduated into a recession, Sarah, in 2004, you hadn't, but the world looked really different. Um, just a few years past 9-11 for you, Sarah. So tell us a little bit about your story. What happened after graduation and, and what, what were the things that you did in those few years afterwards? I went into higher education administration. Um... The cool thing I know is that you, you know, you graduate with a major, but you also graduate with a um, whole toolbox full of skill sets. And then you sort of graduate with the ethos of even if you don't have a skill set, like you just be smart and you learn. So I wasn't really sure I wanted to use my major in a very direct way, but I had enough confidence to just go out and try a bunch of different things. So I ended up in higher admission and education even during the recession that held fast. And then I was able to be after about eight years in higher education administration, I pivoted to the um, information technology side of it as an analyst for admissions. And I was in that for many years. From there, I I tried my hand um, working for a hedge fund in the financial district of Dallas, and that was really crazy. And then I went back to higher education as an analyst, and then I pivoted again to start my own business, Growing Flowers. So I feel like my journey had a lot of pivots right after Laterna just looked for a job, found one that paid the bills, and, and just went from there. It wasn't quite like Jonathan, I think, who was a little bit more um, narrowed in his journey. I just appreciate that Laterno gave me a lot of skill sets that I could I bounce around on the the yeah. for me. I love that way you put it. You just you had this tool skill, this toolbox of skills, and you knew you could pursue different options. You know, I I read I think last year that the average person has five different sort of jobs or careers during the lifetime. And you're a great example. Like you just kept trying things. You were faithful in where you were. Okay, well, Lord, I did that for eight years. Let me let me move towards this. I've got some skills and and, and analysis. So I think there's actually tremendous encouragement in that story, especially for our graduates, maybe who have been in a career for five, six, seven years. I'm like, I just don't know if I can picture myself doing this for the next 20 years. So thanks for sharing, Sarah. Well, Jonathan, tell us about your story. You graduated. We know you're Autometrics mm-hmm. now. How'd you get there and what happened in between? Yeah. So it's funny you mentioned I graduated into a recession and you were right, but I don't tend to look back on that chunk of my life remembering that because mm-hmm. what I remember is um, I graduated right after my mother had a pretty serious stroke. And so um, my wife graduated a year before me. At that point, we were 
dating and then engaged, but she was actually working at Rockwell Collins in Iowa, Cedar Rapids. And so my plan was really just to go find an engineering job in Cedar Rapids. And then my mom had a stroke the fall of my senior year. And that kind of changed a lot of how we were looking at life. And we decided, all right, instead, let's um, head back to California and do our best to, to support my family through that, which actually, I'll just add another thing about being at Letourneau. I will never forget the night I learned about that. And at that time, my, mo- my mom was in a coma. My, the, I lived on what was originally Thomas one, and then it moved to Davis one and in walked a guy and he threw down a whole bunch of cash and said, I took up a collection and here's enough money to get you on a plane tomorrow. <laughs> and, um, that was just oh. everybody I'd been living with for at that point, almost four years. And mm-hmm. I mean, again, just incredible generosity that mm-hmm. I, I will truly never forget. And a guy drove me to Dallas the next day. So anyways, mm-hmm. I, we moved back to California and, um, I took a job at Autometrics at that point, just as an engineer, really didn't know how long I was going to be there or what was going to happen. My wife got a great job at a local company as well. And then uh, we started volunteering actually at a local ministry that I'd known about Christian Encounter Ministries. It's a live-in place for at-risk youth and they have a high school to try to help kids, you know, actually get at least a GE, if not a high school diploma. And so they found out we were both engineers, both sciencey people. And so we taught um, biology and physical science classes there. We took long lunches from our, both our employers let that happen. And we would take long lunches, drive down, teach classes, come back, which was a really neat opportunity. And kind of in line with what Sarah Joe's saying, you have this toolkit, you get to continue to develop it. Um, obviously neither of us had degrees in biology, but it's, if you have a, a mind and a way to apply that mind to different types of problems and different types of learnings. We both had good examples of professors that were great teachers for us. And we just decided to jump in and give it a try. So we did that for five or six years before we had kids. And then um, as through part of that process, I just started realizing that there was an opportunity here at Autometrics to, I guess, expand my role beyond engineering. So talk to my parents a lot about that and after my dad actually tried to convince me not to take over the business and really, I think he really didn't want me to feel like I had to do that. He didn't want that to be an expectation that somehow I was supposed to do that. Um, I convinced him that I did want to, and that was, I don't even know how many years ago anymore, but um, so took over some management and then just a couple of years ago, took over the, the top CEO spot. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. I, you know, I, I, one, um, man, what a, what a, your senior year with your mom in a coma and that just surprising you. I, the one thing I'd share with you is that spirit of generosity. I've been here for seven years now and is still here. Um, we had a, a incident with my four-year-old son about a year and a half ago and just was overwhelmed by the generosity of students and staff and faculty. So I, I'm so thankful that even 13 years ago, the students came around you and said, Hey, we want to get you home. So that's awesome. And I love that, that story of you had jobs, but you also had ministry. Like, and it's not that your jobs weren't ministry, that there wasn't a chance to, to shape and impact your coworkers and, and be a positive influence there. But there was also opportunity to do more and do other things. And you and Jennifer mm-hmm. just pressed into that, which is awesome. So very cool. 
Well, thanks guys for sharing uh, your stories. Um, well, let's talk now about where you are. Let's talk about Everbloom Fields and let's talk about Autometrics. We'll do the quick sort of snapshot what it is. And then I'd love to dive in our last 10 minutes together uh, about some stories uh, that you guys have shared with me through email and other communication that have happened in the last four or five months. So Sarah Jo, let's start with you. Give us a, a brief overview. What is Everbloom Fields? What do you guys do? And then do you want to share a story from the COVID-19 kind of period and, and what that's meant for you guys as a farm and, and a flower company? So Everbloom Fields is a flower farm. I left my job when my daughter was born. She had some um, medical issues that needed full-time um, mm -hmm. attention. Okay. And in turn, how can I home? And I looked out my window, there was half an acre of nothing, and I loved flowers. So I thought, let's um, find out how to, you know, be ingenious about this. And I started this random flower farm. And it, it's truly farming, like hard physical labor. It's planted with like 75 varieties of flowers at any given time. I'm harvesting them, I'm selling them, mostly to direct to consumer, mostly to people, and then through events and weddings. And it's been awesome to stay home with my children and run this business and grow something that I love that's really beautiful. And it's also this wonderful way to participate with God in the gift that he has in nature and to participate in that and pass it on. When COVID hit, it was like a dead stop for so many sailets. Stores were shutting, wedding sold. I had an entire field full of flowers and, and they're a perishable product. You know, you can't just force them to growing. So I feel like one of the things Letourneau taught me was how to build a community with diverse people. At Laterno, I was friends with people in all sorts of majors and all sorts of, you know, sophomore, freshmen, uh, and all sorts of nationalities. And so when I ever bloom, I was able to use the skills and develop a lot of connections in my community. So when COVID hit, I sort of put the word out. It's just like, I have these flowers. How do I get them to people? And at the same time, all the flower imports were stopping. And so there are all these people and they were like, how do we get flowers? So um, I acted by the owner of um, a coffee shop and he said, I, first of all, want to buy every single flower in your field. Wow. Gosh, I might cry. Um, and he said, I want to give for free to my community. And I said, if, if you will simply pay for the cost to grow that flower, I will donate all my time. I will make all the arrangements and I'll deliver them to you. And so we did that. And I think he ended up close to like 300 arrangements to his community, to his neighborhood. Hmm. And the story was picked up in a Dallas magazine. And about two weeks after that, a company contacted me and they... He said, we work with corporate companies to do philanthropy, and we want to do the same thing. We want to buy all of your flowers, give them away, our rest for responders and nurses. 
And so we did the exact same thing. We did about 300 like mini bouquets and just handed them out for free. And it was, and I got so many, so many people, like personal people contacting me that like, oh, goodness, I didn't know I'd get so emotional that they were shut-ins like overnight and how much joy it just gave them to have fresh flowers in their home and from it um my neighbor lost her job so i hired her to be a delivery driver and now every week i deliver flowers to people's homes and it's amazing because my business has tripled and all these people are getting flowers in their homes and it's just this wonderful thing where like you know again i feel like so much of what i learned at laterno just lessons come into play community building pivoting there's a problem you don't understand just figure out how to solve it jump in and do it and so just amazing oh, just the whole thing has been amazing so yeah that's no that's kidding. kind of our little code in a snapshot, I guess. Wow, Sarah Jo. Oh my goodness. So rather than kind of being dead in the water, which is what it looked like initially, it's actually been a really busy season for you guys, both between these two people who came and said, we want to buy every flower in the field. And then your neighbor who you able to offer a job to. I mean, just incredible. So way to pivot, way to look for challenges and meet them and figure out solutions. Um, talking about how fresh flowers bring beauty. I mean, your guys' photos are incredible. If you want to check them out, check out everbloomfields.com. Check them out on Twitter, uh, or sorry, on Instagram. Sarah, I went to your website because my mother-in-law lives in Mesquite. And I was like, well, I'm going to buy a subscription of flowers for my mother-in-law. But you're sold out. You guys have been so busy. There are no flowers left, which is just incredible. And so we're so excited. Super pumped for how you've loved on your community and how others really have come alongside you and given you a chance to do some things. So thanks for sharing. That was incredible. Well, from Sarah Joe's story of using her resources to love on a community, let's switch to Jonathan because he's done something very similar and using what he had and what Autometrics does to love on his community. So Jonathan, can you tell us a little bit about what Autometrics does? Give us kind of a quick mm -hmm. overview. And then what opportunities does that give you guys to serve your community? Before we get jump into that, I just want to say, in case my mother-in-law is watching, I was definitely going to buy you flowers as well. And same thing, just couldn't find any flowers on the market. So <laughs> that's why my mother-in-law is not getting flowers. <laughs> Thanks, Daniel. Sorry. Um, <laughs> anyways. So yeah, Autometrics, we, um, well, first off, I do not feel like I have a feel-good story that is going to make anyone smile quite like Sarah Joe's, but we make machines that cut fabric. And so um, what I tend to tell people is look around you, look at everything from the upholstered seats that are in your car to benches at restaurants to awnings over entryways, window blinds, the list goes on. Um, in fact, we have a couple customers that are right down the street from Laterno um, in off of, uh, what is it? Um, Easton Drive, I believe. Um, or Estes Drive, sorry, that do um, insulation blankets for the oil and gas industry. So there's just so much stuff that's made out of fabric. And then there's also uh, carbon fiber and other composites that starts off as a, as a woven or unidirectional fabric that then is going to get cut. Because ultimately, all these fabrics start out as a flat 
flat plane and we're going to cut shapes out of it. I mean, you can see it on a chair a little bit. And then we sew those or put them into a mold to induce shape. We write all the software that helps you figure out the shapes, helps you optimize it to reduce waste on that fabric. And then um, control machines that are doing blade and knife cutting super, super fast. So that's what we do. And similar to what Sarah Joe said, man, when you know the state of California was one of the first ones to do this hard shutdown, that happened. I just, I was so depressed sitting at home. And I guess, I don't know if I learned this at Laterno or just in life, but you just get to the spot of realizing there's things you can control and there are things you cannot. And so you go to work the next day and you figure out like, well, I'm going to figure out what the next plans are because this stuff's out of my control. Hmm. And I just started picking up the phone and calling customers and trying to figure out what they were up to, what was happening, what life looked like. And I started realizing that a number of customers we're seeing these stories about um, the shortage of PPE and saying, well, I have, I have a trained sewing staff. I have a cutting machine. I, I have everything I need. I just need to know, like, what's the pattern? Where do I get this stuff? How do I do it? And so out of all these conversations, I, I joked that I was never this busy not making money before, but it just turned into, okay, I got to try to answer some of those questions. And it is, it's a mess. The bureaucracy and the individual hospitals that are sometimes controlled by state level decisions and sometimes not. And it quickly turned into all I can do is give advice to individuals that, you know, go meet these people in your hospital. This is the title you're looking for. And then you start collecting patterns. Some of them we designed, some of them other people designed, and we started making those available and just trying to provide this guidance for people to get involved and stay busy. And a lot of our customers, you know, more than a story about Autometrics, it's really a story about a ton of small businesses that are run by people that wanted to make a difference. So many of these companies were just saying, well, I have the staff and so I can do it. And they were donating stuff in mass quantities. They were not you know, making money. Some of them were able to get deals where they were able to get enough money to kind of cover some of their payroll. But for the most part, it was really just done because they knew they could. Mm. One of the challenges is hospitals can't buy stuff from non-approved suppliers to begin with. So it really had to be donation-based a lot of times in order to just get through that issue. But yeah, through the learning process, I knew people in our community and so got in touch with our local hospital, said, here's what I think I can do for you. And actually kind of had to work a little bit hard to convince people, no, I really can do this because I'm not just some random person who's, you know, thinks I can solve it. But right. um, because we can cut things beyond fabric, we actually ended up cutting a, a clear plastic for replaceable face shields. Um, and so just as, you know, we weren't, we're not saving the world, but basically what really ended up happening was as supply chain, as normal supply chains got interrupted in a huge way, small businesses across America, which a lot of them were our customers, but a lot of them were competitors' customers. And they just realized we can step into that gap a little bit here. And I mean, I there's a company in Austin who's one of our customers who when, every time I talked to him, it was just so clear. The guy's a believer and felt like I have this opportunity to do this. And so I'm going to do that. And other people were doing it because they thought they could make a buck and it just, it depended. But it was a really neat experience to watch how many different people said, I have the skill set to fix this in my little part of the community mm. and I'm going to do everything I can in order, in order to make that happen. Yeah. That's awesome. And yeah, you know, the thing that kind of rings out twofold one, I am never going to have an autometrics table in my house, but I will have tons of things that your tables probably have helped produce. Mm. And here was a situation in which you did the very same thing, but you helped others produce things 
by seeing a need and meeting it and providing resources for them, which was awesome. And I think really it comes down to you were willing to say, what do we have that we can help? And, and then you found collaborators, other people who were willing to say, hey, I've got staff, I've got cloth, I've got these machines. I want to help. I'm willing. I just need a little more resources, whether it's design files or the right person. So it, it, in fact, if it's okay, Jonathan, I'm going to tell people, if, if you're interested in, in seeing the design files, maybe you have these resources or you know somebody who does and they're wanting to meet some needs in their community, those design files are still available at autometrics.com. Um, and you can take a look. Um, there's a big red banner at the top of the webpage. Click on that. But just what a cool way to step into a need and, and meet it. So I, I, I don't know. I just think that's awesome uh, to think that around the country, there are manufacturers who could bring their people back to work because they now could meet a need. They could pivot really fast from cutting whatever they were. So awesome. Well, cool. Well, thanks for sharing. I'll bring Sarah Joe back in here one last time. Guys, thank you so much for coming just to share your stories and, and join me for this conversation. I really appreciate it. Really excited for what you're both doing and leading both Everbloom and Autometrics. Thanks for loving your people and loving your customers well. I'm really excited for, for what you're doing and how God's continuing to use you. Thanks for sharing today. Thanks for the invitation, Daniel. Really appreciate it. Have a great week, guys. Well, as we wrap up, I got a couple of announcements I'd love to share with you um, before we go. One of them is this. Uh, don't forget to connect with the Laterno alumni on LinkedIn. We've got several thousand of us that are connected there. It's a great chance if you're looking for a job, if your company has an opening, especially in the season in which people are looking for work to connect there. So get connected, look, search for Laterno alumni group on LinkedIn. It's a great place to ask questions, uh, to, to connect and to network and to really seek out the wisdom of those who are farther down the road than you as well, or to offer what wisdom you may have to share too. So I want to encourage you to check that out. The other thing I want to encourage you to, uh, every month we send a update newsletter to our alumni, about 12,000 alumni around the world get this letter. Um, if you're not getting it and you would enjoy it, we'd love to add you to the list. Uh, we send updates like, hey, what have our alumni have been up to? What's going on on campus? Hey, we've got some resources for you as alumni to support what you're doing. Uh, so those are the kind of things we share with you um, once a month, uh, usually in the third or fourth week of the month, we get that out to you. So if you're not getting that email and you would like to, shoot me an email at alumni at letu.edu. That's alumni at letu.edu. And I'll get you signed up for that and we'll get you um, subscribed that way. Well, it has been a great conversation with Sarah Joe and with Jonathan. Thankfully you joined us today. Hopefully it was an encouragement to you. Maybe you find yourself in a business and you've got some resources that are sitting there and you're trying to figure out how to use them. And maybe this has encouraged you to think outside the box. Maybe you found yourself in a tricky position these last five months, and you, like Sarah Joe, have seen the community come around you and give you opportunities you never would have envisioned. Don't know what it is, but continue to press on, continue to love your workplace and your community well. We pray that your workplace will continue to be a place where you show the love of Christ in all that you do uh, with your people and your customers. And we will see you next time. Until then, God bless. <music>